Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Matthew 9, 37 to 38. Kia ora and happy Tuesday. Welcome to another episode of Fill Me In, a Redeemer Church podcast, formerly the 99th most popular podcast among Kiwis on Spotify, and the second most popular Redeemer Church podcast after uh, Camp John. As Sam says, I'm still waiting for episode four uh, to drop. And a big shalom to everyone at the Acts 29 conference in Tauranga. This is episode 19. Fill Me In is a podcast where we talk to Kiwi Christians who were not raised as Christians about how the Lord brought them into the flock. We chat the highs and lows, the inspiring and the brutal, the rest and the work and everything in between that comes with belonging to the risen Savior. We've got Mike back with us today. Shalom, Mike. Shalom lecha, Phil. Exactly. I couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. So good to have you with us. And I reflect on how the mighty have fallen as you come on. You've, I've seen you on the London Lyceum. I've seen you chatting with my hero, Stephen Wellham. Yep. I, I see you with the Avondroth brothers over in the States. And now you find yourself on Filmy In. Yeah, it's only right. It's a progression. It's, yeah. it's, it's so good to have you with us, man. Would you be able to just introduce yourself uh, to my live audience and, <clears throat> and those listening later? Yeah. Um, yeah, pastor of uh, GraceNet in Wellington. Sorry for you guys behind me for turning my back here. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've been there. We came over from South Africa. Um, I came over with my wife and a team, and we planted uh, in, in Wellington. And uh, that was 2005. So we've been there a decent amount of time now. Um, and I got married uh, a year before that. So, and then I got. You know, I became a Christian a year before that, so it was a rock and roll time and a um, lot going on. And uh, yes, yeah, so I've been there the whole time, though. We have, um, you know, by the grace of God, GraceNet's going well. We're still doing our thing in Wellington. Um, kept going with the studies as well, so now I'm teaching at, at uh, Grace Theological College. That's uh, kept me busy hmm. teaching biblical theology and, and biblical languages. It seems that that's where I'm settling. And... Um, other than that, I think um, run a podcast as well, I should say. Uh, you know, use this opportunity to leverage. Plug it. Go yeah, for it. Uh, it, it Two-Age Sojourner, which is um, uh, something that I care deeply about. And it's just me connecting with some other pastors around biblical theology. And, and so, yeah, that, that keeps me busy. And we've just had twins. And uh, so I've got five kids, I should say. I've been married 20 years, have mm. five kids. Cool. And uh, chickened out of kid number four then had twins and got four number five. And so they're both uh, now, uh, you know, not even five months old. So that's a full plate right there. I can just feel the tiredness. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, unique, a unique kind of pain for sure. So good, man. Hey, tell us, tell us about Christianity. Tell us about the Christian life. If someone who was, I guess, uninitiated, doesn't know much about it, and were to ask you, what is Christianity? What does it mean for you to be a Christian? What are you meaning when you say, I am a Christian? Well, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's an important one, I think, because especially in New Zealand, you know, and you come across people where you say, I'm a Christian, and they interpret that as in, oh, so you don't allow, you know, you don't allow your kids to go to the disco or something, <laughs> you know, like whatever it is, or, or, you know, your wife isn't allowed to wear pants or something, you know, some really random thing that somehow snuck in. For them, and Wait, you, your wife wears pants. I, you know, every now and again, I'm not like encouraging it or anything. Uh, but 
But, you know, there they are with this baggage, you know, somehow that that became the thing yeah. that, um, that, that defines Christianity for them. It often comes up with tattoos. Oh, wow, but I thought that, you know, Christians don't have tattoos. And that's what a Christian was, a person without a tattoo, you know. And so you end up, it actually ends up, you know, opening some doors for conversation, sure. I think. Uh, but I think it is really important in New Zealand that we, that we, we actually make that really clear. No, no, it's, it's not about that. And I'm so glad we're talking right now mm. because, uh, you know, it is about this, this, this truth, um, this object of reality yeah. that whether you decide to be a Christian or not, you have to you have to come to some sort of understanding of it. You have to reckon in some way. Uh, you have to reckon with this idea that, um, that, 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 that Christians claim that 2,000 years ago, mm. God became incarnate. And as a result of his person and work, and as a result of the cross and the ascension and the, what we call this proclamation of the good news, uh, there is an opportunity to be saved, and what we're saying there is from judgment to come, yeah. and uh, spend eternity with Him. And if we deny this, and if we continue to uh, walk in our sin, we will end up in a, a place that is scary. Mm. And um, and so when I talk about being a Christian, I say that I'm saved from that judgment to come. Yeah. I've brought, been brought into this fellowship with Christ. And uh, this is something that I've chosen to do based on yeah. this affronting reality. Like you have to, you know, there's the Queen of England. Now, you don't get, I mean, you can, you can live in La La Land and say, well, I don't believe in the Queen of England, you know? And you're like, that's fine. But there, I mean, there it is. Yeah. It's a thing, you know? And now, now with, with Christianity, it's even more because yeah. uh, the truth claim that goes along with this historical character Jesus is is that um, you know, he has come to save you from the wrath that is coming. Yeah. And, um, and so I tried to get to those truths, yeah. you know, rather than how I feel. Sure. There's, there's enough burning in the bosom around you know, New Zealand where you know, I feel this way and I just feel like God did this amazing thing. I try and stay right away from that. Right. You know. And now that all of this is true and confirmed, go therefore and do not go to any discos. Right. You know, yeah, and, then, and then, so what it does with that kind of conversation <laughs> is it just pushes it to the periphery, yeah. right? Because then, then the, when the, you do get around to, to tattoos and stuff or discos, or, they realize how, oh, well, that's not even what we're talking about with Christianity. Mm. You know, they're, they're, you know it's, we're talking about Jesus and what he did. And, you know, yeah, so Love it's it. helpful. Yeah. yeah, that's great. And so the point of this podcast is we're trying to talk to people who uh, weren't raised with this. And... Uh, I always say it's, it's a beautiful thing if you were raised with it, I was raised with it. We want to see so many conversions of children who were brought up in Christian homes to, to Jesus. So that, that's awesome. But also just thinking about this, this moment that we're in where we want the gospel to go out. We want to see all sorts of people be brought in. And so it's encouraging to hear stories of people like yourself who weren't raised with Christianity and how you've come into it. So could you talk to us a bit about uh, pre-Christian Mike, um, who, who was Mike before the gospel? What, what did you think about the world and all that sort of thing? Go, oh, man, go that is it. such a big question. Tell yeah. me when I need to stop because I can just keep going on all day. Um, I mean, obviously, you don't want to go on about life. I mean, I don't want to glorify sin sure. or anything like that. But, but yeah, it is quite crazy because um, I was just talking about it now. I was raised in South Africa during the apartheid. You know, I was 15 when... Um, when Mandela became president, it was actually my birthday is on that day. Right. So it's kind of, you know, I remember it really well and the country was in sort of array. But Christianity was kind of the air that everyone breathed, but, it, but no one was really a real, you know, it was like a white 
neo-Calvinist kind of mm. Kuyperian Christianity that it was just part of the culture, mm. like shops would close on Sunday because right. it's the Sabbath. But I do remember, um, you know, it's, I think I went to a church service. My, par- my parents would go on all the, you know, the, the important days like Easter and Christmas and so forth. And um, I, I eventually did confront my parents. I think I was about 15 or so. Saying, what are we doing over here, really? I mean, if, we, if, you, were, if you were like Islamic, or we were in another country right now, yeah. and the, the, the parallel culture was, in, was our culture, and here I am as a child in an Islamic family, and we're going to our little things. Mm. I mean, surely it's a good idea for someone to ask why at this point. Why are we doing this and not that? Yeah. And, you know, why are we saying that we have the right way and then everyone else be damned, literally? Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the answer I got was less than satisfactory, let's put it that way. <laughs> um, and I, I just rejected it. At that point, I was just like, no, that's not going to be me. Uh, mm. And then I went, you know, I left home as soon as possible. And, and um, I, went, I went traveling, spent a lot of time in the UK and traveled all over the place. And, and I remember just confirming my thesis. Like, we're, we're seeing a lot of gods out here, people. You know, there are a lot of different cultures, a lot of different, like, who would you, how arrogant would you have to be to come along and say, that you are, you have the truth, mm. and everyone else, you know, is just wrong. And I hated it. I became, like, weirdly, you know, against monotheism of any kind, I suppose, right. but Christianity, because that was the, the little thing that yeah. I had squabbled with. But anyone, anytime I got involved in any kind of religious discussion of, you know, while I was, say, 1920, 21, um, I suppose my life was going further and further down a path that wasn't good, but you know, I was not looking to religion as the answer. Sure. I thought that would just be the worst place to end up. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm not going to go into the details. I mean, it was, it was, you know, as you can imagine, I'm a bartender in the West End. You know how sure. that's going to go, right? <laughs> and then, um, and then, I eventually uh, came back to South Africa, and I was working in a nightclub there, and that's um, where I met my wife. She was the bartender of that nightclub, and. Um, and I was, you know, just dealing drugs, doing my thing, you know, from this nightclub. And then one day, my brother, who I am very close to and have always been close to, um, comes along and tells me um, I've become a Christian. Hmm. And he knew he had to run after telling me that, you know, because I was furious. I was just like, not, not him, anyone but him, you know. He was like my partner in crime. And, right, you know, so similar to you. And, yeah, very similar. Yeah, yeah. We used to do all our you know, stuff, and, um, <laughs> and, uh, and so it was just, yeah, I was feeling alone, and I was, I was pretty down and out at that point as well, and um, so it's not you, no, 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 so um, I remember grabbing hold of uh, the Bible, I mean, I definitely wasn't going to go to church or anything, and he tried to, you know, he knew, he knew he wasn't going to, he just had to get it off his chest, right, yeah. he's like, I'm sorry, okay, but this is over now, and I'm a Christian, and so that was it, and we talked, and, and so I, I ran out and got a Bible, the message, I, I didn't know how I ended up with the message, it was kind of good, I mean, I suppose it was an easy read to begin sure, with yeah. and whatnot, but I thought, all I got to do, because he's going through a little phase, I just got to read through this book, and I, I'll read it as fast as I can, and, um, you know, and, and then when he... When he dares bring it up in front of me, you know, at, at some point, I'm going to know more about this than he does, and I'm going to shove his face in his stupid Christianity, and I'm going to quote Bible verses back at him, and blah blah blah, you know. He so there I am. The heavens laughs, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I, so I'm on a mission. So I'm like, I need a lot of cocaine for this. Go. 
and read. And I just started reading, and I remember I get all the prophetic parts, and I'm smoking this really deep joint, and I was like, I was listening to some trance in the background, and I think I read the whole thing in like three or four months. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I had to go to, uh, so the nightclub I worked at, you would do your thing, and then um, the, the, you know, would sort of taper down around four o'clock, and then all the, the booze trucks would come and restock, right. uh, you know, early in the morning, like six or seven, so there's no point going home, we used to just wait and, and shut the doors, and then all the bartenders would wait around, and, and they would just wait for the booze trucks, and then restock the bar for the next day, and then go home, and, um, and so I would use that time, I was just in the back, in the office, just doing my drugs and reading the Bible. And, and everyone thought, everyone knew that, you know, okay, that's, Mike's taking some heavy stuff, and um, so just leave him alone. You know, just, just go and ask, ask him if you really need to ask him something, but otherwise, you know, uh, just leave him alone, because it's like, who knows, is he, is he even coming back from this? We don't know. Um, and uh, <laughs> just, they just started tripping out in that office. Anyways, the only one that would dare approach was, was Ken, it's my wife, who wasn't my wife yet, of course. And, um, and she wanted to know what I was doing. And I was like, oh, I'm reading the Bible. This thing is amazing. And, you know, I remember thinking to myself, like, whoa, you're, you know, colored in the pictures of Jesus and Noah and the ark and all that uh, as part of your mandatory sort of Dutch neo-Calvinist Christian upbringing. But um, I had no idea. I mean, Ecclesiastes, wow. Mm. It just gripped me. And um, I, I'd read, I mean, I suppose I was a little bit wired in that direction, uh, thinking in terms of, you know, I'd, I'd read some like Nietzsche and, you know, sure. and just, you know, I was thinking, I, I wouldn't have said I was an existential nihilist, but I probably was. That's probably yeah. what, what, I, what I was thinking. And so the Ecclesiastes just hit me, you know, just right in the center. And I had no idea. And then just getting, and I even tracked with the story. Maybe that was because of the message. I don't know. But I'm reading and, and I was able to see, okay, well, there's this story developing and, you know, there's this promise about mm. a savior that would come. And, and, then, gee, and then I lost the plot around the poetry books and, you know, I just didn't know what was going on there. And then picked it up with Jesus and kind of worked the way through. I got through the whole thing and I, I took Candace on the journey with me. Mm. And then at the and, and sort of, and then all my, uh, my buddies would come in and, you know, I'd usually deal from the office. So they'd come back. Uh, around and I'd be like reading my Bible, you know, the nightclubs going, and they all like, you know, coming out, you know, and I'd be like, well, I don't, I no longer do that, but what I now do is I tell people about the Bible, you know, so I form my own little version of evangelism and you know, complete like heresy, just you know, and and uh, and, and what happened was, were these the, recorded? <laughs> no, 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 and. Uh, and so th- this guy comes in with dreadlocks, a good friend of mine, and, and he was like, okay, I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to give you this, but I'm going to give you the Bible now. And we're going to talk about this, and this is what we're going to do. And then that guy ended up getting converted. He chopped off his dreadlocks, came with me to church eventually. My wife um, came with me to church, and eventually I ended up going to church. Yeah. Didn't tell my brother. So my brother still doesn't know, by the way. He's still in the dark. <laughs> when my brother's around, I denied Christ. Like, that's literally what I did. I was like, I was just, and then, and then eventually... I became so convicted about it. I was reading a book about Fox's Book of the Martyrs. Right. And, and I was like, just like someone gave it to me, you know, and I started reading it. And I was, these guys are dying for Jesus. And I can't even tell my brother that I'm a Christian for fear that he's got the upper hand on me. It's like rid- <laughs> ridiculous, you know. In, in the meantime, I've become more of a Christian than he has. And, and so eventually I sat him down and it was, I just burst out crying. And he started crying. We were just like, oh, I love you. We're in the kingdom. This is great, you know. And then we started going to church. And everyone got baptized. And I married the bartender. 
uh, who was my first convert, and then I stopped marrying bartenders and converts after that. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, encourage you to keep that. And yeah, the rest is history, man. We're, yeah. yeah so yeah. we could keep going. But yeah. In, in the midst of that, do you remember a particular moment when the specific claims of the gospel around your sin, yes. Christ's incarnation, yes. what his work of atonement, oh, do you remember very, that? Very clearly. Yeah. Very clearly, yeah. I remember um, it wasn't while I was reading the Bible so much, right? But I had enough questions now to, because remember, the whole thing for me is like, oh, no, oh, no, I'm seeing something here. I don't know what it is exactly, but it just wasn't what I expected, basically. So much more substantive than anything I could have expected. So I have to go to church. But to just talk to a pastor, just to to ask some questions of what, what am I, what is this? And, you know. And I didn't want to, and so I sort of begrudgingly went to the ch- this church, and and um, yeah, it it was like it was. I hated the whole process of going to church. I, you know, it was, it was a charismatic church, and it really, I still think like the whole thing was a little bit corny and the way that they had set it up. And but it, I'm squished in there in the back, and eventually the the pastor preaches, and and you know, it was Easter. So I think that helped the sermon a little bit. You know, yeah, I don't know yeah, if that, yeah. that's what they normally got. You've got to say something. Uh, yeah, you've got to at <laughs> yeah. least come out. But this guy did a great job, yeah. you know, in, in retrospect. Or maybe it was just me at the time. But yeah, I, I remember this whole thing thundering through my soul. I mean, honestly, the guy wasn't, a, he was an okay preacher. But it, you know, when, when the word just becomes the word and, and it, it just, um, I, I remember very, very clearly thinking, Death is so real, and I am, I am in real trouble. I am go, like, this is, this is a problem for me. I, I was just the weight of my sin. I just, it just dawned on me as yeah. he was just working through the law. All he was doing was just yeah. saying, this is what we need to do to, to uh, you know, be good with God. Yeah. And it was just crushing me. I was thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm actually full-on a condemned sinner. <laughs> and honestly, at the end, he just had to say, but, you know, Jesus, this is the whole thing with Easter. Yeah. Jesus died to take your sin and give, uh, he would give you everything he earned on your behalf. Yeah. And I remember thinking, okay, well, if that's true, I'm in 100%. But the, the thing I struggled with was what, what separates me now from that religious bigot that's also had a religious experience sure. and has gone to the, the you know, what, what a XYZ religious temple. Yeah. And that, that began the process. So I think, it, I think I was actually converted at that point. I think I was yeah, regenerated right. at that point. But I struggled so much at that. I mean, it, it, at least six months of just banging my head against the wall, trying to figure out. And then, you know, someone really, it was amazing how it got solved. I eventually spoke to someone. The pastor wasn't that great on this particular thing. But I eventually got to talk to someone who, who recommended some very basic apologetics. It wasn't like, you know, Stella. It was just this... Oh, by the way, do you know, like, do you know that there's this whole historical reality, you know, going on? You know how, how many manuscript evidences, sure. uh, or at least, um, you know, things we can look to to see what the what the New Testament author said, and just working through the basic sort of things, and just going. So for this reason, you know, there's no there's no comparison to any other religion, and it's just like my whole soul latched onto that because I, I really needed to know, you know, I was struggling to go ahead with this. Sure. Yeah. If, if, if I couldn't find something like that. And I was almost willing to go, okay, well, I'm just going to not mm. because I just don't want to be another one of those religious mm. problematic people out there. But, but that was the whole deal breaker for me. I just, I just realized, oh, okay, well, that, that I think uh, faith found reason, uh, you know, yeah. in, in that Augustinian sense. Sure. And, um, and I was able to, I think, just give my whole soul to it at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And that, mm. that's a good segue to, I guess, the next 
thing I want to talk about. So the, the will of God is not that we would do the Christian life alone. And he brings, <coughs> excuse me, my voice losing it. Um, providentially, he brings people along our path uh, to encourage us, to bless us, to guide us through this journey. Do you have people like that, but may, maybe coming from different angles as well, that you'd say like key people in the Christian life who have been an encouragement to you, um, yep. helped you along the way? Of course, yeah. of course. Uh, where do you even start though, you know? Um, well, my brother, yeah. you know, and, and you know, we, we, uh, that wasn't the end of our journey together. We started this parallel kind of yeah. journey where, although, you know, I didn't, I didn't get how this happened, but he went straight to a reform church, like amazingly, <laughs> didn't even know what that was. And, um, and I went, I went like via the grapevine, man. Wow. I just went through every weird scenario there was, uh, but, but he started <laughs> training for ministry and I started training for ministry and, you know, he's now a pastor in the UK and I'm a pastor here. So we kept on going and we've just been in constant touch and, and he has really been an important person in terms of, you know, sometimes I'd be moving in the wrong direction and be like, nope. I think he was more than any, anyone else the one to get me onto reform theology. Cool. Um, so that was important. But I mean, you know, along the way, I mean, the guy I planted the, the church with at, at Grayson was extremely, I mean, he was like my bigger brother, yeah. um, able to just kind of take me under his wing and work with me and and so forth. Um, so many people, so many people along the way. It would just be, I, I, I'm going to be missing important people. But, it's like um, in the album liner notes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, the, the whole, the whole, um, the whole, I think, you know, preachers have always been, you know, you know how um, the charismatic preachers that no one would have known about Okay. They, were, they were just so helpful. They, they, you know, it's sort of like the weird stuff they were talking about eventually dissipated. But, but they, the way that they would kind of, they would preach the gospel really well. Mm. And, it would, it would, and then they would spend time with me afterwards yeah. and they would help me. And it's too many to name, but it, they were yeah. important people along the way. Cool. And, then, um, and then as you get into reform circles, I mean, yeah. Jim Renihan has, has meant a lot to me. Okay. Um, over the years as he's come down over and over again, just formed me theologically, I mm. think. And then there are all the dead guys, you know, that you're reading all the time that are discipling you. And, and the not so recently dead guy, I mean, you know, Meredith Klein is one of my major, major guys who unfortunately uh, passed away a few, well, he's loving it, but you know, for me, unfortunately, uh, passed away around 15 years ago. Uh, but, but, you know, just, um, just shaping me, you know, and, 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 and helping me uh, in many ways, yeah. Let's talk about blessings and regrets over the course of the Christian life. So I like to frame this in terms of imagining that you're talking to Mike uh, out the back of the nightclub with the drugs in the Bible. Yep. And are there any particular things you would, I guess, warn him about, things that you'd say, I wish I could do this differently in the Christian life if I could have another crack at it? And then maybe the other side too, like things that in the providence of God you think, man, that's gone really well. I'm really glad it went that way and I would do it that way again. Whew. Yeah, man. The people want to know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Well, I suppose you could answer it in a kind of, you know, a, a kind of um, yep. not so deep way. But, but maybe I should just preface it with this, that, you know, when I think about that, I think, I, I don't know, I, I imagine everyone must feel similarly to, the, to me on this, but like everything is a regret. Like, I don't know, my best... Do you know how you sometimes preach a great sermon and you know you deserve hell for it, you know? Because it's just, your best work is just, yeah. just filled with sin and everything's a regret at that level. 
from the word go, like a total failure, <laughs> abysmal, total, horrible regret. And yet at the same time, from the word go, God's used every part of that to shape things that I could never do on my own steam in ways that are just better than I ever thought. And I'm so thankful and I wouldn't want to change any of it, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of the paradigm in which I work. So with, with how, do you, how do you talk about that even? I don't know. Maybe what I would tell myself uh, is to maybe I would tell them that, that idea. I would say, yeah, cool. I would say listen, okay, here's what's going to happen. You think that you're something right now. You think that you're going to go. Because what happens is when you're the, the testimony kid, you know, when you've... Yeah. You know, what happens is they put you on, especially in the charismatic thing, they just put you straight on the stage. All right, oh, awesome, go, go. Tell. And so that's what happened. I'm immediately on the speaking circuit and moving around and speaking here and speaking there. And, you know, and obviously, I mean, I've been a Christian for like less than a week. I have no idea what I'm doing, you know, and, and, and yet everyone's just kind of, you know, so it is what it is. Yeah. And, um, and so, but the problem with that is it kind of merges into this leadership track where, um, you know, now all of a sudden people forget that you were a Christian a week ago, uh, you know, just, just freshly converted. Right. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, he's doing this. Let's, let's put him on a track to this. And, and next thing you know, you're doing things you really shouldn't be doing, you know, uh, in terms of leading meetings and so forth. And, um, and so I, I think what I would say is just, just stop immediately. Say no to all of that. Uh, you know, just don't, <laughs> okay. don't do any of that. Just run when they run the opposite direction because that's just bad news. Yeah, yeah. What you need to focus on right now is just fighting sin yeah. and just studying theology and just just getting your brain right and mm. just you know just just enjoying the people of God and and going to church and just just all this extra stuff that people are throwing just run away from that. Yeah, I would I think I would say to that. But then even even in that process, you realize like, you know what what you have to tell yourself is that you know you have these expectations for how you think this is going to go. Mm. But but here's the thing. It's going to be absolutely shockingly bad, and you're going to mess up so, so bad, and it's just going to be so much worse than you're thinking right now. You think you have it, but it's so, so much worse. It's so much more painful in every way, but you know what? Uh, it's okay. Just don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't worry about what you're going to be or what you're going to mm -hmm. do. or what, Just fight sin and love Jesus and hang out with the church, and, and yeah. he'll take care of every little bit of it, and don't worry about any of that, because it's like you have, not, you, you have no idea anyway, so just shh. Be quiet and just read your Bible, you know, that sort of awesome. thing. I think I would say something along those lines. Love it. But on a practical scale, I should also say, like, get more theological education before you plant a church. It's like my little song and dance. Okay. You know, that would be a very practical point that I would tell myself that everyone really should do, you know, because uh, otherwise it's like, it's, you, you know, you hurt people. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Spurgeon used to ask people when he was doing the um, membership interviews for the, the Met Tab back in the 1800s, in addition to all the other sort of ordinary pastoral questions, he would ask them, what would you love to accomplish for the Lord? So, so I pose that to you um, with, the, with the decades ahead, uh, looking over the course of your Christian life, wow. uh, what would you love to accomplish Did Spurgeon ask that? He would ask that, yeah. Really? Wow. Interesting. Mm. I thought so too. Yeah. Um, okay. Leaving Spurgeon aside for a second. Um, yeah, I suppose it would be a similar sort of answer. Maybe it's just the way I approach things, actually. I don't know. But, but you know, when I, when I started out, I'd be like, well, I'll tell you what I want to do. <laughs> you know, go to New Zealand, plant at least 100 churches, you know, and then we'll do this, and then we'll do that, and I'll, you know. And then if you had asked me that question, like, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I'd maybe say, like, my, my great goal for the Lord is to stay off the meds. You know, just, just don't, don't crash and burn. You know, that would be it. Just yeah. 
bear the pain and keep moving. You know, that would, that would be all. Now maybe I'm like a slightly happier space again, you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, but I certainly have no ambition to plant 100 churches anymore. So now I'm thinking what I would really love to yep. do, I would really love to accomplish this for the Lord. I would love to just not make a terrible mistake that shames Jesus, you know, in my ministry. I would love to just, just make it all the way through the end, endure to the end and do it well, be faithful and, and pass to the church, you know, and, and, and just get to the point where I can say, well, there we go. We've seen some great fruit there and... This is happening, and I've you know, walked with these brothers yeah. throughout the course of my ministry, and now I'm handing it over to someone else. I would love to be able to do that. That'd be amazing. I realize that's not an easy thing, and you know, if I totally. could do that, that'd be incredible. I would love to be able to just parent my kids in a way that I yeah. can just release them into the world and go, yeah, there we go. Awesome. I mean, if, if I can do that, I'd be more than overjoyed and totally. thankful, you know? And then beyond that, whatever God wants to use me for and do with me, you know, I have got all these like writing projects that, that are on the go. And, but, but what drives me is I actually don't care if anyone reads any of it. I just want to like basically take all these like years and hours that I've labored over these texts. And I just want to record them for at least someone. Yeah. Just, just maybe um, even if my kids just want to read it. You know, what, a, what a grandpa teach you know what did he even talk about and they oh he wrote this like stupid little book you can read it you know and <laughs> and then maybe maybe just someone yeah. cares you know and and that would be fine so i didn't even know how i'm going to do that exactly but i might just start recording notes and just hand it over to to my kids at least keep in the closet for for whenever it comes in handy but but mainly just getting to that end man and just not 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 being um, a reproach to christ yeah but Beautiful. being honoring him and glorifying him that's that great. Point. Let's yeah. uh, let's change gears here a bit and do some rapid fire questions. Feel free to delve in if you need to, but otherwise, just just give it a quick answer and go for your life. Just whatever whatever you're feeling. Uh, first one: You're on a deserted island. You can only have five books Whoa. of. Oh. Yeah. You're on a deserted oh. island. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, you've only five got five books. books of the Protestant canon. Uh, just to clarify that uh, Protestant <laughs> canon with you. Which ones? You mean like in the Bible itself? Yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> the people want to know. <laughs> all right, I want to know, right? I mean, okay, so, all right, so you need Genesis. You, you have to have that. Um, and then you you'd need, need at least one of the gospel accounts, right? So Matthew, probably, because it connects to the whole thing. So I need, uh, Genesis, Matthew, and Revelation. Mm-hmm. Now, what have I got left? Two. Two? So yeah. um, I think I would take Ecclesiastes. Although that would just be like self-indulgent. Uh, and, and then uh, I think uh, what I would need is one epistle of Romans. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, well played, well played. Uh, the, the crowd is happy. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a life verse person? You one of those guys from your charismatic days? You have a, a life what, what verse? A life verse? No, yeah. no. I have no idea what my life verse is. Okay. No. Yeah, do you have a favorite verse? No. Fair enough. It's long, the whole, whole thing. Um, mm. Best thing about being a Christian? No, wait, I do have a favorite verse. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, there's that whole, um, that, that moment in, uh, in Micah where Israel is, um, in, in Micah 7, 8, where, where, the, where Israel is just down and out and it's like the end of the road and mm. they're, you know, they're plundered and it's just like there's nothing left for them. And the prophet sort of personifies, you know, Israel at the time and, and, and says, rejoice not over me, O my enemy, for I will rise. Mm. And then they look, you know, he looks straight at the redeemer. Mm. I will rise. He will 
Yeah. He will bring justice for me yeah. and execute righteousness for me. So, I mean, there's something there that's really powerful. Isn't totally. It? Yeah, yeah. Uh, best thing about being a Christian? Um, I, that you get to walk with Jesus, uh, to know the deep, deep-seated peace that he has got you and has you secure. And even though you're still here for a little while longer, you're already actually with him. Yeah. And, and there's that security and safety and, and knowledge of, of what is coming mm. that is just beyond anything else that anything can give you. Can I, can I just, you recently can. In, the, in the Stoics, I just read this whole thing in Epictetus where he was talking about the moment of time. And he was saying, just consider this. Now, he's not a Christian, of course, and you know, uh, he's a Stoic. So, he, um, he says, you know, you don't, re- you don't wh- what do you have? What do you have? You don't have the future because it's not here yet. You, you don't have the past because that's already gone. So all you really have ever at any point is the moment that you're in, in that. It's a really trippy concept. Like that little moment right now that it's just passed and we keep going. It's like that's all that you have, that present. And as I heard him talk about that, I mean, he was trying to wangle some sort of positive idea from that, but I was like, dude, that is the pinnacle of why, why a non-Christian is in despair. That's why all things are vanity, because, because no matter how good your memories are, they're gone. Mm. You know? And if you can't have this thing you have right now, no matter how much money you have in security, if you can't have it tomorrow or even in the next moment, like, what's the point of it? Because it can go, yeah. right? You have no security. But it, that's exactly what makes Christianity mm. so awesome. The best part of it is that that moment, that present is secured and always there mm. for all eternity, never going away. And suddenly your, your, your past makes sense and your yeah, future man. is secure and so forth. Yeah. Book of the Bible you'd like to understand better? Um, okay. Um, uh, you know... I want to say, like, maybe, um, maybe Isaiah or, you know, somewhere just where it gets obscure, some of those prophetic elements that, that mm. you're just like, what is he talking about? You know, <laughs> you sort of, we can kind of put it together and think, okay, well, that's probably our best shot. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's like you could, t- I mean, he's seeing something, though. You yeah. know, he's like, <gasps> I see it. I see it. And he's writing it down. You're like, I don't get it. I just, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm thankful that you're seeing it. And, you know, and I would just love to penetrate into that a little bit more. Yeah. Something the church in New Zealand could do better at. Um, well, I tell you what I think we're doing great at. Um, I don't want to know that. I want to know what we're sucking at. Okay. <laughs> Um, well, you know, I'm speaking no, you from, I'm just I'm speaking from, from, you know, and I'm just bear in mind when I say the church, I'm thinking about Wellington, right? Yeah. And that's like a special category. Yeah. yeah. So like Take I come, the rainbow I come here and everyone's all happy and full of sunshine and smiling at each other and talking and Hey bro, how's it going, bro? I mean, Wellington's everyone's just like, dude, get away from me. You're in my space. Right. And so it's, you know, so we could, I think just warm up a little bit is what I would okay. say. You know, I, you know, when I go to the States and come back and I'm like, why are we so unfriendly? You know, we're so so uh, we've got like this British gun wild morph, you know, into Wellington earthquake, freezing cold temperature, <laughs> miserable weather, darkness vibe going on. And uh, we should be more joyful. We cool. should be ho- more happy in Wellington. Um, but I'll tell you what we do well. Um, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no social 
credibility for being a Christian in Wellington at all. Mm. So I love the way, and I, t- I brag about this to every, everyone and everywhere we go, and you guys will feel this as well. Christians mean business when they come to church. Mm-hmm. They don't, then we got, like, I, I don't have to posture in a nominalist nominalistic sort yeah. of context. South Africa is very different. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone sort of still thinks that they're a Christian. The States is, is you know, has a lot of that still. Um, but you come to Wellington, everyone that's in that, that room, they've come to church yeah. and they, they, cool. they are there to do business with the Lord. And it's an awesome thing to, to be part of. You know? I love that. Yeah. Uh, aside from Klein, obviously, who you mentioned, but feel free to expound on that if you want to, but favorite uh, Christian authors, thinkers that have been helpful to you? Um, yeah, Klein, definitely. Um, he's, he's at the base of so much. Um, uh, but Gerhard is fast. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, my, the, some contemporary guys, Michael Horton, J.B. Fesco, uh, Van Junen, love all of those guys. Yep. Uh, they, they've, they've just been very helpful in ironing out some issues along the way. Yep. If you go back a, a little bit, um, I, I, I love John Gill. I think he's like one of the most underrated guys out there and you know just amazing a titan a titan especially in hebrew and old testament and so forth uh, just profound you know the stuff that he has uh, got there that he's just just no one's no one's giving him much attention um, I was just reading Spurgeon's history of the, the Met tab. Yeah. He's talking about Gill, and he says he's amazing. His major downfall was he just had no banter and could not crack jokes with the common man. Oh, I, <laughs> and the, the, the brother did not like um, Armenians. You know, what, what, what can we say? You know, that, he, that, that uh, portrait, you know, he, that I think it was Spurgeon who quipped. It, it looks like he yes, uh, this is right. detects <laughs> the hint that there perhaps could be an Armenian in the room, you know, and uh, he's just looking grumpy as a result. Yeah, so, so as, as a, you know, that's one of the one of the um, guys in, in the Reformed Baptist um, sure. trajectory, I suppose. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, uh, many of the Puritans I could yeah. go on, but, but I think that, cool, that sort of covers it here. Yeah. Favorite thing about your church? About my church? Yeah. Um, you mean Jesus' church? Of course. Okay. The church you regularly uh, attend and are a member of. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Yes. But Jesus' church, obviously, yes. Yeah. If it's my church, we're doomed. Um, <laughs> Uh, favorite thing about oh man I, yeah well I love everything about it to be honest um, I've just recently had a three month sabbatical and um, um, so we did well, or two months sabbatical not three months two months uh, but we went to other churches for eight eight weeks in a row mm-hmm. and um, and it was it was difficult you know so we were trying to go to just and every every week the kids are like can't we just go to grace net please can't daddy's medical be over now please and uh and we're like no no we're using we're using this time we're gonna go to and we're gonna make friends with the churches we're gonna hang out so we went to the reformed church you know and you know we appreciated the liturgy and the tradition and then there's this uh baptismal font in the front and so jesse thought it was the trash can so I caught him throwing his Baptist. coke into the baptismal font. <laughs> so we're not making friends necessarily as we go. But we're sort of like hanging out, at least with other churches. And, but yeah, we went to a Lutheran church. We went to a Reformed church. We went to a Baptist church. It was abysmal. It was terrible. Shocking. We've got to do better than that. And then, and then um, you know, all sorts of other ones. But we came back to, and I think what it is, is, in fact, what we were talking about a little bit earlier the, the real thing, part of our values, is to just try and be real. And I, you know, I love the way Jared is framing all of that mm. because, because I'm like the worst culprit 
that I'm like, and I tell them that, I was like, listen, I, basically I'm telling you to be real at the church, but I'm the one that actually like totally sucks at this. And I, you know, I need, basically what I need is everyone to just totally commit and vow together in a non-cultish way um, <laughs> to just be like as committed to this as we can be, because mm. like, I'm just, if you leave it up to me, I'm just going to turn us into a bunch of fakes, you know? Mm. And, and so I need you to pull me in and drag me out and I'm going to try and pull you in. And, and there's like strong gravitational pull to go the other way. But we've made a big thing out of that. And it, I think over the long haul, it's really, it's been powerful because I feel like we can, I, and this is a common testimony. People feel like, oh, it's a landmine out there, out there and, and eventually, you know, found the church and it's just great to be real. And, and, and we often try and distinguish between uh, a vulnerability and, and a kind of just a, um, just, just, just. Excessive oversharing, you know. We we don't just want to tell people like, "Hey, we're sinners." We want to actually say, "Right, you know, help me walk through this sin." And I'm not happy with yeah. it. I need you to help me to 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 yeah. help us to do this thing. So you know that that's what we really prize, and um, and we prize the word. We love. So it's like the only church in the world where I can preach really long, complicated sermons, and no one gives me trouble about it, you know? And, uh, and they, they love it. And, they, you know, every now and again, I'll get the token email saying, hey, could we just, you know, keep it under an hour? But, but <laughs> other than that, it's, 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 it's just great. I have, to, I have to behave when I go elsewhere. But, but they, they allow me a lot of freedom, and they rejoice in these themes with me. And mm. we, love, awesome. we love just thinking about the Bible all the time. So it's, um, it's an amazing church. Awesome, yeah. man. Well, we better behave by wrapping this thing up. This has been another episode of Fill Me In, a Redeemer Church podcast. Drop us a comment. Give us a five-star rating on Spotify if you so desire. Redeemer is a Bible teaching church in the center of Tauranga. I won't give you directions because we're in it right now. Our website is www.redeemerchurch.org.nz. Mike, it's been great to have you with us today, brother. Great to, great to be here, bro. Thanks. Audience, it's been great to have you here with us today, brothers and sisters. Grace and peace to you. A lake of gold in the desert sand is less than a cool fresh spring and to one lost Shalom, Chrisos. Hey, just before we finish up the podcast, I just wanted to draw your attention to a book project that Anthony, one of the pastors at the church, and I have just finished working on. It's called Church and State, Reflections on the Things of Caesar and the Things of God, discussing the issue of the relationship between the church and the state. What kind of things should the state tackle? What kind of things should the church tackle? Is there any overlap between the two? If you're in need of some more misinformation and extremism in your life, I'd encourage you to go check it out. It's available for free over at the church facebook page have a happy rest of your tuesday